I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Capita. Capita's software solution seeks to automate the equity management process for startups, including workflows around cap tables, ESOPs, due diligence, and transactions. Sign up at capita.com to get started with your digital cap table, ESOP, award granting, and all things equity. Free for companies with under 25 stakeholders. Also powered by Limitless Connect. Limitless Connect can provide digital CX solutions. The teams of Limitless Connect have years of CX experience, which equip them as the driving contact centers in the future. Sign up for a free consultation with Limitless Connect at www.limitlesscx.com. With Limitless Connect by your side, anything is possible. And brought to you by GoTime Bank. GoTime Bank is owned by the Gokongwe Group, the same companies that brought you brands you love like Cebu Pacific and many more. GoTime Bank makes next-level banking a breeze with its convenient account opening process. It takes less than five minutes to get started via the free app. Plus, get your GoTime Bank Visa card at one of their kiosks for free. Download the GoTime Bank app today and experience the next level of banking. You may visit www.gotime.com.ph for more details. One of the real advantages of being founder CEO is you get to implement what you want. And so at the core of our company is values. I tell them that this is not lip service. And so at least I definitely knew that culture was at the center of of what we were going to do if we were going to become successful. We had to have these aligned values. Welcome to Hustle Share. 
the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Share Podcast. I almost made Piok again. <laughs> At the start, always a bad way to start that. But again, it's not a bad thing when we have one of the most promising founders and one of the veterans uh, in the industry. It's, uh, this guy's been an operator for a while now. I've heard of him for a while. And I think we even worked together in Podmetrics. We, we tried selling your, your insurance at one point. But before I get carried away, I need to welcome, finally on the show, Mr. Hamilton Anglubin of Quick and Chill. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ron. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm a big fan of the show. Um, and it's just great to be here. I actually never got to meet you in person until yesterday. Yeah. And literally when we did this, we were at the AI Summit. We were with Magellan, my number one episode, uh, my first ever episode. And then also with Gian Delarama of Aya. And again, it's like, wow, I've, I've heard of you. I've seen you in Idea Space Demo Day. Uh, was it earlier this year or late? Like, I, I don't even know. It's, everything's a time mark. But I was there in the last one and you were there. You're, you did an amazing pitch. We've been in the same circles. Never got a t- chance to talk to you. We did it yesterday. I was like, hey, I have a slot. And now it's your turn. So that's amazing. But before I get carried away, Hamil, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Hamil, what's your hustle? So Quick Insure is a multi-channel insurance platform. Basically, we sell insurance and healthcare products through our website and distribution channels. So we digitalize everything, making everything very easy, accessible, and of course, very quick. I like it that you went on brand there. So obviously... Again, insurance is such a very important thing right now, whether it's HMO or whatever type of insurance. Because as I now understand now as a Tito, there are things that start to hurt that never hurt before. <laughs> <laughs> as a young 20-year-old, like, hey, you know what? I'm invincible, but I'm, a, I'm turning 35, right? And there are just things that I never knew existed and that I never knew was so expensive that if you did not have any insurance whatsoever, it can literally alter your life. And again, that's what we will dissect later. But before I get carried away, my man, I need you to buckle up real quick. Because before we start talking insurance, I want to understand your origin story. I'm a Marvel superhero because we're going to have to ride the also share time machine. All righty. We're all the way back. Before... We started doing insurance before you started doing lending, before you started doing fintech. I want to understand first, what was it like growing up? And was what was your earliest recollections of hustling? And did you have any influences or inspirations in hustling as a person? Yeah, so the earliest thing I remember, I was eight years old. Uh, I was okay at drawing. So I would draw these um, transformer figures. Eventually, I cut them up. Mm-hmm. And then I had this idea of selling it to my younger brother who was just six years old. So he bought it for, he bought it for I think two bucks. Okay. Um, and then eventually I started selling them to my classmates for four pesos a pop. 
Um, so it, it was it was pretty good. Um, and then when I was 10, my older brother was into computers and he just really encouraged me to, to do business. And so we take these, of course, my carbon data, uh, the, these five and five It's okay, Tito Hamil. It's okay to be Tito nowadays. Right? <laughs> five and one fourth, you <laughs> my floppy disk. Yeah. Um, and so we'd buy it for, I think, 10 pesos, sell it for 25. Mm. Um, eventually, we stopped the business because I stopped remitting uh, <laughs> the work <laughs> to him. <laughs> no, but he was very happy. But his, his goal was really to, just to you know, encourage me to, to sell. Yeah, and then eventually, other businesses. I, I did, uh, when I was working already, I, I had actually, I published a magazine, free magazine. What? Which yeah. one? It was called IQ Time. So I was a med rep before. Okay. And so, you know, I'd always wait for doctors. Um, it was my first job. Okay. I'd wait for doctors in Tagal. Pfizer. Yeah, yeah, Pfizer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so after maybe eight years into my career, not not in Anana, I just mm. remember the, the problem waiting in hospital. So it was a free magazine. You'd have mm. all this um, info about your health. Uh, mm. medicine, then you have Sudoku and Crossword. Nakuha ko pa nga si Mo Twister as ano dyan eh. One of the people in, in the covers. Eventually, I had to shut it down. Mm. And then I did a couple of businesses. Another another business is I sell security tent to banks. Security so tent? Are, what, what is a security tent? So it's it's a clear film you put on glass. Okay. Um, and so when someone bombs the, the bank, Right. Um, people inside are still safe, at least from from the, the glass. That is extreme. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I went to Israel for that. Um, and then yeah, after that, quick insure now. But I had a very interesting career also, starting from from Pfizer. <laughs> I like that you outlined that. But but before we we go all the way to quick insure, I want to dissect every single step. I, I want to talk about school. Uh, says here in your LinkedIn, you studied in the RNA. I want to understand what you took up and what are the key things that you got there. Because again, out of every entrepreneur, I always believe that the, the foundational experiences that you get happen in early in school or early in your first few jobs. And I want to understand your skill stack at, 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 at that point. So when you were studying, what did you take up? And walk me through how you got into Pfizer as a med rep for starters. Oh, yeah. Um, and so... Studied in Ateneo um, from grade school, high school, college. Um, Blue to Blue Eagle. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so originally, I, I took up management, business management. It's a bit of para quota course. May certain subjects you have to yep, yep. maintain a certain grade, right? Um, and so I got a D in finance. Holy shit! I just wasn't interested, and so that right. forced me out. So uh, weird because you ended up in finance in, in the future, uh, technically. Yes, correct, 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 mm-hmm. correct. Because, because you know, it's really different when you're in college and then you look at finance on a business perspective. It's correct. really different. So I, I transferred to interdisciplinary studies. Basically, it's a course where you have two tracks. So I took management because basically all my management courses were done. Um, and so I was doing communications. And so it's relatively easy right? right there's a lot of art classes and creative classes and so my last two years in Ateneo was really just was really just fun okay I just made sure I didn't fail any subject um made sure I graduated mm-hmm. yeah and so after graduating I wanted a car 
we weren't rich growing up. Yep. Um, and so I just wanted a car fastest yep. way possible. See, is it so, a Civic that you want? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the foggy car of our generation. Okay. Uh, Starting with Civic or ES- nothing. Okay. Yeah, ESI, pa mo na but but unfortunately, so I got into Pfizer. Very proud because there's like a thousand um, applicants. I was okay. chosen number one. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm very happy. Um, I got. Did they uh, give you a car? Yes, they did. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so check. So I mean, it. Uh, Is it, it was a Civic? No, no, no. Unfortunately, fleet to fleet. So it's uh, okay. Toyota, it was a Toyota Corolla. Okay, that's but, not bad. That looked no, okay. Right. But it was it was new at that time, new model mm. Um and of course all all uh, maintenance, gas. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I was very lucky because since graduating at the top of that batch, mm. I got the, one of the easiest accounts at that time. It was Watsons. So at the time oh. bago pa lang yung Watsons. And they were growing crazy. Um and so my basic pay was like seven, five or eight thousand pesos. But yeah, but but I have a car, but <laughs> I was making like 50, 70,000 a month on incentives. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. So I had so much money as a, as a fresh grad. Um, so oh talaga yung mga PNG, yung mga uh, That's a dangerous combo, a fresh grad. <laughs> 50 to 70K. Oh my God. And you have a car? Oh man. What do yeah, you yeah. do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so things you can discuss off air, you know. Oh, but it, it was really good times, you know. I mean, right. you you accept this in other months. It was just great times, right? Um, back then. But you know, after two years of doing um med rep work, mm-hmm. it it anyway. I aside from the car, I got it because I was already being business minded. Um, yeah. At the time, I knew that selling is very important. It's in everything that you do, right? Whether you're selling a product, a service, or you're selling yourself or an idea, right? You need to learn to sell. That's a thing. Selling is not taught in college or anywhere, right? Um, you'd have to take separate classes after you graduate or something. And so I learned it. Very humbling. You know, you you talk to the secretaries, the guards, parking. The secretaries, the doctors, or the gatekeepers. It's very humbling, right? Siyempre, Ateneo, and whatever. So, feel na feel mo. And then, yun, hindi ka pa paradayin ng guard. Hindi ka pa lulusutin ng secretary. And now, you have to learn to to humble yourself and really just to to makisama and magpalakas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I did, um, as I mentioned, I Okay, yung performance with Pfizer, but then I realized, you know, this is this isn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, right. and so I applied for MBA in UP. Mm. Um, fortunately, I got a scholarship, so I saved enough money. Anyway, I saved enough money to to do it full time, and anyway, the scholarship naman had um, allowance as well. Nice, and so I was able to finish that um, full time, and then okay. yeah, yeah. I want to understand one thing before we jump into after your MBA studies. Because you can't be making 50 to 70K extra in sales if you didn't do well. You must have gotten, and uh, this is a similar skill stack that I developed. I mean, by default, I'm extroverted now. And then you learn how to freaking sell and you create your MO, your modus operandi. That sticks for life. I don't care what you're going to do in, in life, whatever you're selling, whatever your idea is. But if you develop that skill, 
it just clicks right away. Right, I want right. to understand, Hamel, the, at this point of your career. You said it's humbling, right? But I'm pretty sure you found your go-to moves in selling. I want to understand what those were and how you were able to accumulate success that early. Because on the flip side, I've seen the opposite of it. If it humbled you, I've seen younger kids, if they learn how to hustle and they learn get success, they do the John Morant uh, effect <laughs> where they, they become too arrogant and they think they're all that. Because at the end of the day, whatever you do in life, there's going to be some ups and downs. Now, it's good that it humbled you at the get-go, but what did the Hamilton Angluben formula of sales become at that early age as you tried to get over these gatekeepers and all that? Mm. What Can you dissect that one by one? So in, in Pfizer, we had um, sales training, both on the product side and the selling skills. Mm. So... Of course, when you go back to the fundamentals, you're, you should be selling benefits. I mean, as corny as it sounds, that, that should be pretty clear. Um, yeah. You should be selling the benefits rather than the features. Of course, you have to know the features. You have to know all the product. But at the end of the day, it's like, wh- why does it benefit me? Or the at least uh, in the perspective of the, the buyer. And so yeah. that stuck with me. That's very important. It's like, why, mm. like, we go into a partnership. Why would I partner with you? If you're mm. selling something, why would I buy it? Right. Mm. And it's because of the benefits. What, what good will it bring the other, the other person? But outside of the, what you learn in the classroom, at least in the, during training, it was really building relationships as, as easy as that. You know, um, no one wants to partner. With a jerk, no one wants to partner with someone, someone arrogant, right? A lot of decisions are are really emotional, yep. right? And a lot of it are around the biases of other people. And so it's a lot of things. You 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 have to be very presentable, you have yeah. to come out as competent, you have to come out as understanding, and you have to come out as someone who's actually concerned. Um, with the other person. And so very, you know, you, you'd find these in, in sales books and all, but it's nothing, nothing like the real thing of actually yeah. doing it. And that's yeah. why, you know, that, that was my first job. Absolutely. And, and probably to add to that, uh, just, I had a similar experience. Um, though I was selling, I was in Groupon, I was doing sales too. It's really how to get comfortable with rejection. Right, like okay, it's it's a numbers game. People will say no. Majority of the people would say no, but you need to be able to really capitalize on the opportunities that you get. And and once you become comfortable in that, nothing will will really break you because you know that at the end of the day, you're just probably a few tries away from your next win, as well. Yeah, I just like, like to add to that. I mean, the rejection part, it, it's it's not just because you become immune to it, but it's more of Okay, I get. I got rejected. Why did I get rejected? Right. Right. What did I do wrong? Or is this person not really my customer? So you have to also think and learn from 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 the rejection. So that's something you know I've tried for me because it, it always still hurts. Correct. <laughs> uh, being rejected. I mean, but it's easier to dust yourself off and and you know move on. But for me, it still hurts, and so I, that's why I'm always retrospective um, when it comes to that. No, absolutely. And again, what. What you don't want to do is you do the same thing over and over again. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Look exactly. for the, say, a different exactly. result. You yeah. have to pivot yeah. along the way. It's like, oh, okay, that didn't work. 
on my next try, I'll try try something different. Because a lot of the mediocre salesmen that I know do the same shit, and then they're like, "Oh man, <laughs> uh, you have to have multiple tricks up your bag or in your bag." Yeah. To say, "Ah, okay, I'll, I'll do emotional selling here. I'll be like this," <laughs> and you develop that over time through repetition and 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 what exactly. And after your MBA, you did BD, Escalera and Company, yeah. and then you also did Globe. Walk me through the next skills and the experiences you acquired on these. Because again, still sales. If it's BD, and yeah. obviously that's still sales. But in Globe, you did product management and partner manager. Now, how, talk to me about that transition. So after graduating, um, basically I got recru- recruited to Escalera and Company. And so they 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 own you know, Wormy Farms, if you remember. Oh, that. in Tagaytay. Yeah. But the... Oh, right. And so we were operating so organic farms, but a large part of the business actually is in coffee. And so the owner was was really one of the largest coffee traders in the Philippines um, wow. back in the 70s and 80s. And one of the interesting things that we did was we revived the, the coffee trading wow. um, business. And so I was up there in, in Baguio, in Benguet, talking to the farmers. Um, we set up a trading system. And so I know all about coffee. Um, and then, yeah, we, we made it a successful business, having revived it after being closed for, I think, almost 20, 20 wow. years. Right? Um, it, it very, very unique. I mean, talking, going direct to the farmers, uh, going abroad, you know, learning about the trading. And then from there, uh, it was really great because I was I had direct access to the owner. Mm. Of course, there's mentorship there. Um, and then, uh, I got this opportunity to, uh, work in Globe. My first job was very interesting. It somehow I got a job because I knew about coffee. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Globe is the coffee business at that point? You'd be surprised. Okay. So you remember the time that Starbucks and UCC and the likes would charge you a hundred pesos per hour for Wi-Fi? Oh, yeah. That was my product. You so, boodled so many people who <laughs> were just trying to make tambay, huh? Okay, blame this. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, they, oh it, my God. Imagine 100 per hour. Honestly, and those ones weren't fast at all. They were hella slow. And a lot of the people who are mostly law students who or med students who make tambay in Starbucks, especially in Tomas Maroto, this happened. <laughs> they hug all the Wi Fi, like, dude, this sucks, <laughs> right? It's really bad because it's just two Mbps. <laughs> so imagine there's, <laughs> you can't imagine there's can't like, call uh, that thing. 10, 20 of you, right? Um, oh, but, uh, you know, so that's my first product there. Then I had a bunch of enterprise products coming in. Uh, I mean, managing managing these different enterprise products, like of course, coordinating IDD, mm. um, and whatever, and so. I don't know. I got tired of the telco business because you know working in in telco is crazy. It's like it's similar to to working in a startup, but with much much more bureaucracy. But still, the deadlines are always you know I needed this yesterday. It's still like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I went into this um, company called Eco Energy. We we did um, reno- renewable energy. We would use wow. um, coconut husks and leaves. Um, as a source of energy and it 
and it really helped me brush up on on my finance. Um, wow. From there, I was able to do financial modeling. By the way, I did well in finance when I was in MBA because I was okay. very interested already. Okay, you're, Bawi you're, na, Bawi. <laughs> and, it, and it all made sense now. No, now I can literally do a, a spreadsheet from from the application is there to the, to the balance sheet. Yeah, yeah. So even the our financial models, I'm the one um, doing it. Uh, but then you know the company wasn't able to successfully raise funds. Oh no! Um, and so we, I got recruited by um, Cebuana Luwilier. I wow. stayed five years there, um, basically handling almost everything outside of pawning. So you have okay. um, remittance. For a time, I was in international remittance. I got to see the world. Um, eventually, domestic remittance, bill payments, cash management services. Um, and, it's, and it's where I first started selling insurance. Mm. So we sell hundreds and thousands of microinsurance policies. I bundled um, microinsurance with bill payments. I bundled it with um, remittance. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I sold to corporations like SkyJet. Um, SkyJet, their travel insurance was was coursed through Cebuana wow. um, Luillier. Um, and so really, really inspired during my time yeah. in, in Cebuana because it's tech, it's cause it's the largest pawn shop chain in the world and now it has 3,000 branches. So it's like the de facto bank for the absolutely. The, they do they do all their their transactions there. And I was really inspired um by the vision of the founders. And they also sent me to Oxford. Nice. Um and so I'm very <laughs> I'm very thankful very nice. to them. Yeah. Okay. I wanna I wanna deep dive before we jump into Cebuana because obviously that's your crash course into to insurance and you've you've done well. And that's also one of your longest, if not the longest tenure in your professional career before you made the jump. I wanna brush through Escalare, Globe, and Eco Energia. So through this five, six year span, jumping from company to company, right? Different cultures, different pace and whatnot. I wanna understand several things from your point of view. What did you learn about leadership being exposed to these types of companies? And how did you evolve as a person, as a professional during these these things about like things that you had to learn yourself or unlearn? Because you have to be adaptable going through all of these things. Some of them are desirable. Some of them are le least desirable. I mean, selling is still one thing. That's your foundational skill. But you added layers on top of this. But of course, while you're being exposed to all of these things, you're also being exposed to different types of leaderships and cultures that eventually will impact when you're the one leading. Talk to me about those things uh, and then the, the the evolution of you during the stint of, of your career. Yeah, so um, so during the my, my stint at Escalarian Company, I just graduated from MBA, right? And you know, MBA grads are can be a pretty Confident, overconfident. <laughs> I, I'm feeling that they know it all, right? And I was one of those guys. Um, and so my my boss there, he said, I don't normally hire MBAs. He said, know it all, kayo. And so working with working with the owner directly, um, you learn that in a way, it's it's his company, and he, whatever he says goes, right? And so you learn to to work with a personality as well. Um, so there's such a thing as in a way, in a way managing up, trying to trying to learn um how to to get your message across, trying to learn how to to convince the owner. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you also learn like 
how does this guy think? How does he make decisions, right? And these decisions are really like final. And so seeing, you know, I, I, I saw him, he would be at sometimes he would be aggressive, sometimes he would be conservative and taking on his cues, right? Uh, I've learned not to, you know, first time to learn that it's not always about being aggressive. It's it's also learning to take a step back, learning when not to push the pedal, learning when, you know, you're in dangerous waters and you need to, um, you know, Tread go carefully. slowly. Yes, correct. I mean, that was very, very interesting. And of course, I was talking to, I, I dare say, um, probably a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, Just give this so, guy a name. Who is this person? Is I, this? Um, Ernest Escaler. Ernest Escaler. Yeah, yeah. So, really prominent family, especially mm-hmm. in uh, Pampanga. But, but he made his money during, um, I think, late 70s, early 80s. He was the largest coffee trader wow. during... Um, his time and That's then amazing. you know mo- moving to to globe it's a bit of a culture shock right um in the sense that it's such a huge company and then were you in pioneer no 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 i was in the enterprise group okay um in, in valero so oh. first time so it was really an email culture um the blackberry was you know the introduced <laughs> and so everyone was <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Everyone was just happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really stressful times because back then you didn't really know how to tune out, right? Even up to now, it's hard. But mm. but before you, when you get an email, you try to read it. Uh, and and so uh, when it comes to leadership, you you see the the bureaucracy of it all um, coming from an environment when the owner says, okay, this is it, it's done. But here, there's like four levels of approval, um, different levels of authority. um, And, you know, pushing for something fast, but then everything is slow. So it's like a contradictory to to work in such an environment. But how did you navigate those? Because I kind of had a similar thing after the acquisition of Chatbot PH. I I was so used to being the guy, shot caller, whatever I say goes, all of a sudden now... When you get acquired, there's there's le- several layers, and I don't have the purse, right? And you gotta have to make way make make it work because at the end of the day, it's your shit, right? What did you learn in in navigating bureaucracy? Obviously, obviously, you said that it's it's stressful and it probably wasn't the best fit for you, but being exposed to that for a couple of years for sure it taught you something. Yeah, I mean the. First of all, it's the moment you get there already humbled by the number of people. And I mean, if you used to be the man, you know, you're just now one of the minions, especially <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't really, and, but there's banting, um, and leveling in, in Globe. So you, it's like, you sort of know your place. Yeah. Um, and so to navigate that, to navigate that, you just really have to be nice to a lot of people, um, uh, that's that's how it works, right? You you have to be uh, very respectful, um, very understanding. It's it's always a most of the time it's a give and take kind of relationship, right? So yeah, it's really you just survive there and try to make your projects work. Mm-hmm. Um, try to to be good with the uh, with the decision makers. And what's also important is to to go out of your department because you you have to work with finance you have to work yep. with network you have to work with a sales team and so it's really a lot of networking getting to know a lot of people 
Absolutely, because you need buy-in. You cannot do. You can't Correct. be a one 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 man team in a corporation like that, right? You need to. Sure. This is a team sport. Uh, at the end of the day, and if you become a pariah in your own company, you are effed, right? Uh, now, <laughs> la- last question before we now do a deep dive before uh, on their PJ Luolier hustle, right? Now, what did you see in the earliest iterations of being exposed? To insurance that excited you. So obviously, hindsight being 2020, you're now doing that, right? Uh, what's within the insurance game that excited you the most? Because here's my understanding, and I might be a total idiot, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Insurance can be weaponized in a lot of things where it doesn't really do what it's supposed to, which is ensure the safety of something, especially in yeah, not throwing shade. A lot of say financial investors, insurance, but they're really selling you an investment bundle, right? Because <laughs> they bundle it up with something. They're not really insuring your life. They're they're trying to upsell you, which is sales. I respect that, by the way. I'm not going to try to hit on something. But the very tenet of insurance is to de-risk something. Am I correct? Or is this, uh, am I an idiot? Please educate me. No, you're, you're, you're 100% correct. Okay, so what 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 is it about insurance that that you that kind of made you like go into this rabbit hole and very interested? You know, being a young person back then, you know, it, I wasn't a believer of insurance mm-hmm. in because you got boodled too. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like no, no, I didn't have a kid back then, so it's like okay, okay if I if I die, I die. But like, it's okay. just that kind of thinking. But when I was working in Cebuana Luilier, um, one of our products was around fire protection. And so diba, we sold to mostly in the social, the lower socioeconomic segments. Yeah. And so every time there's a fire, you know, about 10%, okay. 10% of the people affected had, had Cebuana insurance. What? And I was like, oh, oh my God, wow. Um, and then you know what? We'd pay the same or the next day, we'd pay it out. Um, and I was like, that is that is life-changing. Absolutely. It may be just, you know, 20 or 40,000 you get, but at least you're not zero. And so that that really changed my perspective about insurance. But if you want to talk about that kind of investments, the one with investments, I, it's a different story because that's how I ended up starting. Uh Picture. Right. And again, yeah. I will, will do that in a bit. And I like you that you segued already because we will cliffhanger them out right now. <laughs> and when we come back, we will now talk about the PJ Luelier era of, of Hamill's um, career and then how he led Kashalo for three years as GM and, of course, why he started quick and short. But let's talk about that more after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back to the break. We're still with Hamil Ang Luben, who then told us his early exposure to insurance and, of course, back into the world of finance after hitting it at college. You know, it all pulled him back, right? The MBA, and now he knows how to, how to financially model something. But Walk me just through again the, the PJ Luillier hustle. Because yes, it's one of the most, probably the, if not the biggest institution for the unbanked, people pawn a lot and whatnot. They're, they have a very big footprint, not just here, but all over the world, especially with the Filipino diaspora, right? But at this era, 2012 to 2017, you were probably just going through a digital transformation. And a lot of th- these things are still in paper and whatnot, right? As the GM of the non-pawn services, what are those things that you were doing then already that you spearheaded? Um, and what were the challenges you had to overcome? Because again, this was the digitization era. Some people did it early. The reason why I know is because I remember chat pitching PJ Luillier when I was doing chatbot very early on, 2016, 2017, you're already asking for that transformation. So that, that was already in the pipe. I was able to visit that office near uh, Buddies. I'm pretty sure you guys eat near Buddies all the time. That's the nearest restaurant. Yeah, sure. The other one is a cementerio. Okay, what are you going to eat? <laughs> right? Buddies is the closest restaurant to, to the PJ Lulier office in Kalayan Ave in Makati. But... What was that process like and what were the challenges you had to overcome? It was, uh, as you mentioned, really definitely one of the largest uh, financial institutions, especially, you know, for the for the unbanked, right? Um, and so, correct, yes, we were trying to undergo a lot of digital transformation. Um, we, had a, we had a decent um, tech infrastructure, especially for amongst pawn shops. Definitely amongst pawn shops, we, were, we, we had the best tech. I remember you guys were on-prem. That's what I remember. <laughs> you're, you're not in the cloud yet when I get exposed. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Because we had a whole building for our, for our tech. Exactly. Uh, we had a tech company. 
Right. Uh, and so it was pretty, pretty, pretty good for, for a pawn shop. So I came in, my role was really try, trying to correct, to introduce a lot of things, a lot of new things. Mm. Um, one would be, we called it remit to account. Remit to account. So this was when Instapay and Pesonet was, Pesonet was, was very, Instapay and Pesonet was very, very new. Uh, and I had the idea of uh, people wanting to deposit through our branches. So this was unheard of back in 2014, yeah. 2015. Um, and so, you know, even, even, uh, even with a bank, so we work with Metro Bank on this one. Um, and I think um, Standard Security Bank were, were our two partners. Even that one had a lot of hiccups trying to introduce something new. Um, but you know what? The It was very, very successful. It was great because people in far-flung areas can now deposit to their bank account through, through Cebuana. So I worked on things like that. Uh, but of course, it's not without its challenges. Even, even internally, you, you have to go through compliance. You need buy-in from... But but at least this one I was closer to, to, to management. Mm. Right, right. Um, and so we I even spearheaded their application for e-money. So as early as 2015, 2016, I think we were the fifth company to have an e-wallet. Wow. Um, it yeah, yeah. But you know, the depend I don't really know what happened anymore, but uh, the prioritization I think wasn't there. But Sebana does have its e-wallet license. And you know, it's it's really it it really feels good working there in the sense that you know you're um working with the unbanked, giving them services that otherwise they, they wouldn't have. Absolutely. You did five years there. Easily one of your, if not the longest stint you've done. Uh and, and then but yeah. again, everything everything comes to the to an end. Talk to me how the Kashalo opportunity came through because this is now where you were really on the spotlight as the Hamel. You were featured in the ANCs of the world. You know, whoa, this guy is a big time, you know? Um, what was that like? Because at the end of the day, this is a combination of all those experiences that we had prior as the main guy running the show. What was that like? Very interesting story in the sense that um, so I, I was being recruited by Grab. Grab? Um, Brian, yeah, Brian, uh, right. and so former Ateneo uh, alum also, yeah, um, and then so they were getting me to head grab for work if I remember correctly, oh. and so I had you know the Philippine team was endorsing me, kami Brian, mm. uh, and then so being endorsed to regional for some reason I didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's really destiny. It's like a fork in my life. And so Brian ended up, <laughs> Brian ended up endorsing me to the founders of Oriente, the mother company of Cashalo. Oh. And that's how, and that's how I ended up in, in Cashalo. And so I always tell Brian, I, I owe him one. Right? Um, and so this is uh, Brian without the goatee yet. This is the clean Brian without the bigot, the, the balbas that he has. Hindi pa makapal. He was still, I don't know. He was still figuring it out. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, yeah, but he's still yeah. the same hustler again. If, if I had a Mount Rushmore of hustlers in the Philippines, easily one of the slots is Mr. Yeah, Brian. Yes. I had a good interview with him. I mean, in-endorsed now sa regional. Eh. Mm. And so, 
I mean, I jumped at the opportunity to to join Kashalo because I saw the work being done in 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 Cebuana, right? Mm. Um, and then for me to to and knowing the technology fintech is the next wave, right? And we'd be able to impact more people and reach more people through technology. You know, I, I just mm. had to take the the opportunity. Okay, why was it so enticing? Because again, you wanted to do Grab, but this time, what, what was the vision of Kashalo that made it so enticing for you to take the job? Because you said you, you were at the fork of your career, right? This was a crossroads that uh, you were had to, you had to take. What, why did you take that jump? Considering that I would assume you're probably a family man at this point already. Again, for me, the, uh, it was the founders, uh, the background of the founders. And so mm-hmm. you had um, one of the founders was Jeffrey Prentice, one of the founders of Skype. Um, you have Lawrence Chu have managing this huge um, huge fund in, in Hong Kong mm. and being investors in like I think Uber and Lufax in China and then of course mm. our CEO Hubert who, who was also you know managed a huge huge company in 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 China back then mm. and so for me to work with them for me I thought was an opportunity of a lifetime I mean when you speak with these guys it's like it it changes your perspective about things, how $1 million is nothing, right? These guys face $100 million. And then yep. this guy tells me, okay, I'm, I, we have to do this because I want to raise up a billion dollars. Wow. And so that stretches your your imagination. It's like you're never the same once you're around these people. Um, and of course, their, their, their mission was very aligned with what we're doing, uh, what I was doing in Cebuana anyway, but this time through... Through technology, and, and I was like, you know, and they gave me a nice dinner in Raging Bull, uh, and so <laughs> <laughs> always a nice yeah, yeah. Of things. Steak so, in front of you, uh, uh-uh, uh, let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, is this a sign of things to come? And so, <laughs> <you know. laughs> wow, I jumped at the opportunity, and you know, it changed things around forever. Yeah. All right, sounds good. So now you're into lending. Right? Um, right, that's a different thing. But lending, as we know now, there's you have so many kashalo company likes. Like there's this, uh, I'm always bombarded by these ads. I'm not trying to borrow, guys. So stop retargeting me. I'm not gonna borrow from you. Okay, um, but always I get retargeted for some reason. But for for some reason, again, kashalo was very early in the game when lending was very much five six. Happens on a person-to-person business. There's loan sharks. It wasn't digitized yet. What were the early things you had to do? Because you're you're coming in here, if not zero to one, you're at the one to ten level. What are the things you had to build? And this is probably the easiest or the the the, the most startup experience from zero to ten or one to ten experience that you had to build. What was that like? One of our goals was to give people a better option than your five, six guys, right? Yep. This is 20% per month. Um, and and so aside from the five, six guys, you have these ATM Sangla uh, syndicates, right? Um, and so our goal was to to beat these guys, to give people a better option. And so by, by digitizing things, by using, we were one of the first ones to use um, alternative Credit scoring, right? Data from your phone, data from your social media accounts. So, I mean, re- yeah, like literally zero to one. I mean, in terms of we didn't have a product back then. 
Um, and wow. so we we designed the app. So we were we were the second lending app in the market. So the wow. first one was Tala. But you know, if you are if you're the first in the industry, it's either you're very, very smart, people think about you very smart, or you're crazy, and then there's no validation. <laughs> or somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And so us joining that ecosystem, right? So dalawa na kami, right? Yeah. So we we made it a, an industry. I mean, there was nothing at the start, but we bombarded the market. We had this war chest for for marketing, right? Mm. And so, you know, we spent so much on, on digital marketing. We had very, very advanced performance market. We had a very, very advanced performance marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually, you know, we 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 just cornered that market. Um, and then it's good also because in the sense that, you know, after six months, there's like a hundred lending apps. So we paved the way for, for all these guys. Um, this was a time... When fintech was like, you know, banks were either scared of fintech or banks were, you know, thought of fintech as the enemy. Correct. Right. Um, and so actually it's an interest, interesting story. So I was relatively a new guy in, mm-hmm. in fintech. Right. So what, what we did, I just called up everyone I knew in the fintech space since anyway, partners that I know. So we had dinner. I called up everyone I know. So you know what? Everyone showed up. Maya, uh, Globe, I mean Gcash, um, Coins, uh, Magellan, and Don. Mm. Um, we had like 10 guys. And that very same night, the FinTech Alliance was born. Mm. And so, you know, I was mm. a founding member of the FinTech Alliance. I I knew everyone from from nice. day, day zero. And, and because of that, we were able to navigate the the regulatory um, aspect of, of fintech. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and, and, and that said, fundamentals, I want to understand the ecosystem. Because again, you said it. Eventually, there was a low barrier to entry. There's a hundred lending apps now. But I, I've interviewed several people here now about the fundamental problem of Filipinos and credit. Right? That, you know, a lot of Filipinos just don't have a really good credit history. And a lot of them probably just don't have credit history at all. So it's all high risk all the time, right? And if your product is into lending and it's all high risk, you don't have collateral and all these things. What were the early things that you had to overcome? Because if you're spending so much money for customer acquisition and your only means to get your money back is by lending to, say, a mixed bag of high risk, mid risk, and good risk customers, that's hard to sustain considering that, again, everybody... You guys have your target at your back and everybody's trying to catch up. What were the challenges you guys had to overcome? It was really difficult for us because things were different uh, in the start. So we relied 100% on, on, on alternative. Uh, um, I wouldn't say 100% because sometimes they can submit some employment data. Right. Uh, but we relied mostly on alternative data, right? Mostly data found in your phone. And so when it comes to, to managing that risk, it becomes <laughs> it actually becomes a customer acquisition cost mm. in a sense. So you have these bad borrowers. Uh, of course, they're excluded um, in your future portfolio. But then people, like 75, 80% of people repeat. And the, 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 at the time, you know, stay in the game long enough, you have a mm. huge, huge base of really good customers. 
Mm. Uh, and that's why you you build the build the business. But now it's different because because of what we were doing. Eventually, we were we were one of the first ones to um, work with a credit bureau. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now these people, once we submit their data to them, whether they're bad payer or good payer, they now have a financial record. And so now right. people can tap tap the credit bureau and get data from from a lot of people. I mean, with us, we we got what three almost three million users in less than than three years. So imagine, what? yeah. So imagine you now have three million people who have a financial history. Uh-huh. Now they can borrow, or now they're excluded again mm. <laughs> if they didn't, didn't pay. And now all these different lenders can tap to that. Right. Um, and so it's really very meaningful um, to be able to do that, um, to, to get these people included um, in the financial um, ecosystem. Correct. That also, again, de-risks a lot of things. Just again, for example, what if you just failed to pay that 500 peso utang that was due on, say, the 15th? Right, everybody knows about it, right? So that also, correct, as correct, a user, correct. as yeah, a user, yeah. that that screws your credit up, regardless of what it is, because they share these informations across the board. So if you think you're gonna away with, you're gonna get with, oh, I'm not gonna pay my utang in this app, whatever. Nah, you literally burned your bridge across all these financial institutions, and you're probably only gonna get uh, a deal from again these loan sharks that existed right. before. So be careful I, I mean, of what you uh, do. Yes, it's really important to take care of your credit history. But unfortunately, you know, so it's part of our thrust. Um, we had a separate campaign for that. But, you know, as I here in the Philippines, it's really the a lot of financial literacy that needs to be to be done. Yeah. Be I mean, okay. <laughs> Leave that. Right? Because Buraot, again, that, that that goes that's generational Buraotism, right? Yeah. You can't work, yeah. oh, and then you just don't you you screw people over. And in, in a world like this, you screw one over, you screw everybody else. Hmm. Your people and these people share that credit history about you. All right. All right. Now I want to understand. Kashalo, because this is when I, I I was surprised. Like, oh, mid pandemic, Hamilton is no longer in in Kashalo. Was there an itch brewing when you were running Kashalo that made you want to jump as your own? Talk to me about that journey because a lot of great operators stay within their lane. They made a great career, <clears throat> have a great retirement, go from one CEO one CEO job to another CEO job. But it's not their own. And that's not bad. I wish I had that, you know, because I de-risk myself of all these payroll issues that we're going to have to fucking worry about. <laughs> but dude, you went full 100% jump. Walk me through that process. You know, it's very funny because uh, I was interviewed by the Ken yesterday and they uh-huh. said this, like, the exact same thing. It's like, why is this crazy guy who's in the middle of uh, the fintech boom going into a boring insurance industry? And I just turned 40. Well, I just had my birthday that year. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have to really, and, I mean, just be proud of your age. Okay. You know, I had that itch too. And really being inspired by our, by our founders, how to take an idea from zero, yeah. right? Um, raise some funding and do something huge mm. that will impact a lot of people. I was really inspired by that. And I definitely want, you know, Having some confidence to to think that I could you know do this and launch my own thing, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so a couple of things happened um, to the decision. I mean, I was being recruited by this company. So they operate in like seven markets. They wanted me to head the, the emerging markets, which included Philippines, I think Malaysia, Vietnam, and, and Thailand. So I was I was interested. Okay. Um, but when I was doing the when I was doing my case study for them, you know, after being interviewed by the CEO, mm. I was looking at the different verticals. So they had credit cards. It was a comparison site. They were, they were doing credit cards, loans, and insurance. And so I looked at the, I saw, I, I got reminded of the insurance industry, mm. right? Uh, and so I, I said, wow, the, the unit economics, the business model is great. And knowing everyone in the fintech space, no one is in tech, As in literally no one in the Philippines was in tech. And so, you know, I just had that crazy idea that, you know, this, it's time that some innovation happens to this what 150 year old um industry i mean nothing has really really changed um um since then and so yeah that's that's how i i came up about um quick insure um also as as uh, as i mentioned earlier you know that i'm pretty sure you've been sold insurance already right um and, yep. and it's hard when your friends invite you to coffee and lunch <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> Budol. And then, you have a big then, yeah. right, right. And so, being forced to sit there and listen to their insurance spiel, I hated that experience. Yep. Uh, at least if they're upfront, then okay, lang. But if not, then, you know, it's bad. And so, having that experience, I said to myself, you know, why can't I just buy insurance, you know, by myself digitally? without being sold to by making decisions, being able to compare these different policies. Correct. You know, and that's really the original inspiration of um, Quick Insure, right? And that's why it became a marketplace where you could, you know, find different products uh, from different providers and compare and, you know, be insured in as fast as 10 minutes. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And that's true. Again, just circling back on, the importance of insurance, right? Because insurance and investments are two different things. Uh, a lot of those times when you are being invited by your friend over at for lunch and whatnot and blah, 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 they, of course, tell you the importance of insurance, again, to de-risk yourselves of possible outcomes that will come out of left field. What? Death, terminal illness, accidents, arson, if you want, whatever, right? Like what you said. These are events in your life that you're trying to shield yourself from big impacts that were, will really literally mess your life up. But again, I, a lot of people, it's a hustle. I, I, I don't disrespect it. It's just that people think that that's the only option, that it should be, oh, an investment that you, you need to accrue. That's why your policies sometimes balloon because there's two things in there. Insurance, which is a de-risking thing, because even podcast guys, I just found this out last year or two years ago. That holy shit, we have insurance for podcasts for shit that you say in a in a show. That just in case you say something stupid and somebody sues you, (laughs) there's an insurance. Now, okay, if we get sued for libel or whatever, we we can de-risk ourselves. We don't have to pay that out of pocket, right? But the stuff that you also are usually getting sold. That's why it's always important to look at the fine print. 
the stuff that you look at has an investment component on it. And can you just dissect this? Because again, this is how I understand it from a high level, but there's nothing wrong with it. But what I'm saying here is if you have a platform like Quick Insure, you know exactly what you're getting to and you get to compare apples to apples what you're coming in for. Is that the real problem we're solving here? Is it just this one? Because I almost, I, I got boodled once. Okay? I'll admit, I got boodled once. Like, oh, you need insurance. But it's like, why am I paying this premium when I just really need life insurance, right? Or I just need HMO because all of a sudden now as a 30 plus year old, I always have a yearly or a quarterly visit to the hospital to, je- to check something that hurts that didn't hurt before, right? These are things that you de-risk. But again, most people get bamboozled and it's sad. Uh, it's sad because they don't know what they're getting into themselves into. I'm not saying you shouldn't get insurance. You should, but you should know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, I agree 100%. So we are a brokerage. We are a fully licensed broker. And so just just some fundamentals. Um, the difference between an insurance agent and a broker is that an agent represents an insurance company. A broker represents clients. And so it's it's in our best interest to align ourselves with the interest of our clients, meaning whatever they're looking for, we'll try to find it for them. Now, going to your concern about um, the mix between having a mix between a combination of uh, investment plus insurance, it's not the best product for everyone. Um, and definitely, it should not be in the in fine print. It should be upfront. What you are getting, it, what you are getting is both an investment and a um and a protection plan. So just a quick story. So everyone was selling that. It's called variable unit link insurance. Yep. So they link the investment. VUL. Okay. VUL, VUL. And so a lot of agents, you know, faced irate clients because when the pandemic hit. Um, the stocks tanked, right? And, and so yep. the investment part of that one, <laughs> devalued. Yep. So, ano nangyari to sa, yung sabi mo, 1.5 million, but 1 million na lang pero ko dyan. <laughs> so oh, they were man. in, you know, but but the good agents were able to spin it back and say, and then now is the time to invest again. So add more money. <laughs> oh my God. All of a sudden, no, you're stock, stock trader na. Okay. Correct. So the, a really good and concerned agent or broker would tell you, what do you want? Do you want something that has an investment component or not? Do you just want pure protection? So here. So that's when you know, uh, of course, the, the the incentives are fatter, right? If you're selling these BUL. But you have to make sure that the person knows what he's buying, right? Um, for me, you know, if I, would, if, I, if I were to decide, those things should always be separated. Absolutely. Uh, because you get something for protection. And if you want something for investment, get something um, um, specific for investment. So you don't yeah. mix up the... Yeah. Okay, I'll just, again, make it super dumbed down for those people who still are confused what the hell we're talking about. Because those VUL sometimes, again, I'm not saying all. It depends on your case to case. So just be aware of what's going on. VULs is a double purpose thing. So obviously you have insurance. So again, whether you die, whether you get... Decapitated always. It, it's it sounds so gruesome whenever the, the agents say, it, "Oh, you what if you broke an arm or you your eye got lost?" And all that. Like, oh, come on, please don't make me go through that. 
but these things technically will happen. We're all gonna get into some medical shit one way or another. And then the investment component is that, okay, as part of your plan, they will accrue the money that you have along with others. So it can either put it on stocks, they can put it on mutual funds, you can put it on bonds, you can put it on all these things that, again, is predominantly dictated by the economy. So if you have an economic downturn, that shit's going to go down or up, depending on what it is. And also, you have no control over where they're going to put it, what stocks they're going to, what bonds and whatnot. So if you're whoever the fund manager of that shit puts it on, you you go with everybody else. Again, you just have to be aware. They Yeah, I mean, um, they normally let you choose, like, do you want an aggressive fund? Do you want a conservative fund? But to your point, you don't really choose anymore uh, no. which stocks they pick, which bonds Correct. they choose, right? Mm. You have to ask your whoever's selling you the, the insurance. And it should never be on, on the fine print. It should be very upfront. Correct. Um, transparent. And you should educate yourself before you buy. That's the thing. Don't buy Correct. it because Correct. it's my compare. It's the ninong of my anak. You know, right? It's not that. That's what we're saying. At least with us, we we are a broker. We partner with multiple companies. And so we say, okay, so this is what you need. So for this company, we think these are their best products. For this company, these are their best products. And then we help you choose. So exactly. it's not like as compared to an agent, like from what I'm from whatever company, we are the best buy from you. <laughs> Right, we're not. I'm your friend. Buy from me, right? So it's not a. You have to do your own research if if you're talking to you know an agent who's just representing one company. And ideally, if you're just really buying pure insurance, right? It's more more or less cheaper eh, compared to those uh, bundled. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Right, at at least fifty percent cheaper. The very least. Imagine if you're paying 20k a month for that VUL that is say mm. uh, investment plus insurance, dude. You should have just been paying 10k and you still get the same protection right, from right. whatever that is. And again, that's correct, correct. Now, last question before we take our last break, and then we, I want to dissect how you built the team with this opportunity that you now see. You said there was no players in InsureTech, but again, now we're here. We go again. First mover disadvantage and first mover advantage, right? Because there's it's double sided, and I've experienced that several times already. As party file, I created a nightlife app. Okay, we're off to the races, post position, but we have to take a beating so much because we were too early in the game, right? Chatbot, same thing. Good thing I was able to uh, to, to get acquired early. But again, PNA, same thing. Very early in the game. We were trying to do podcasts when podcast wasn't popular. We achieved it in terms of making podcasts mainstream, but the monetization advertising side isn't at par yet. So you're going to have to find a way to survive that uh, rough period in order to see the, the future, which is more utopian. When you come into this and you said that the, uh, the opportunity is wide, wide open, what were those advantages that you were able to capitalize on as quick insurer? And what are the disadvantages of being first mover if you saw a wide open market? So the advantage would be since we're first in the market, everyone wanted to partner with, with us. So, you know, we, we haven't even launched in as short as three months. We have 20 partners already signed up. Wow. And these are insurers. So imagine two to three months, you get 20. It, sometimes an NDA would already take one month, right? And then you go to the commercial terms. That's, that's two to three more months. 
But we were able to do this in, in record time just because we launched at the height of the pandemic. All the insurers needed a digital channel. And so that was a huge advantage for us. But in terms of a disadvantage, of course, we're still educating the market. People still have to trust us. And of course, in terms of regulatory compliance, we're the first ones to do this. And so it's good. You know, we, we, we knew the, we knew the people in the insurance commission, the commissioner, the deputy commissioner. Um, and so they, they guided us very well in what kind of license to get. But of course, it was the height of the pandemic. You know, it took us almost a year to be able to, to, to get our, our brokerage license. And so, you know, at that, honestly, there was a player here, regional, who set up shop before us. Mm. But no one would partner with them because they didn't have a license. Oh. Um, so let me when we we were able to launch ahead of them and yeah. they ended up trying to partner with a broker and then got the, the partnerships with nice. insurers. So those things are are really difficult uh, as, mm. as first mover. Yeah. And your and your cheat code is you know these guys from from years and years of experience already. So you have home cart advantage exactly exactly but it still took us you know almost a year uh, yeah. but it, it's not just because of the jersey commission all the offices were closed <laughs> bir <Yes>. uh <laughs> um, city hall right mm. uh it, it's a lot of it was a lot of work uh, yeah all right now let's take our last break and when we come back we will now discuss the human side of jumping to become a founder and how he's able to build a team and a product and everything else in between along with the stuff that they literally just launched in Quick Insure. But we'll talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. 
Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers. I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust DragonPay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Hamil Angluben, who then told us why he made quick insurance because again there's a there's usually a wide open lane you come right through but with with that again this is a jump that you had to get you saw it in the fintech alliance nobody's doing insure tech but what made you really take the jump and how did you then prepare yourself to become a founder at this point did you bootstrap this out did you get uh, prior funding how did that work so i was already decided um you know, after my my birthday, it's just those things you think about, right? Uh, every time you you take, I did some retrospection, right, and um, introspection as well. And I, it's like it, it was the best time for me. It's like I finally decided, you know, I have to do this. It's it's like I had a feeling like it was like now or never. And so yeah, I I, I we we I bootstrapped this thing. Wow. Um, raised from from family and friends, um, and then. You know, the the reality would eventually sink in, right? Um, that 
Oh my God! What did I just do? <laughs> I don't have I don't have salary anymore. Allah. <laughs> Holy shit! Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but you know you're also excited because people are excited for you. Um, your peers in the industry are excited for you. Everyone's rooting for you, and then I'm able to recruit um, some of my first employees, right? Um, and so there, but but there's a lot of things that you later on realize, like. For example, our, our founders before they had a hundred million so easily, and so uh-huh. I, I I thought to myself, ano ba naman yung makarisa ko ng one million, de ba? Okay. But it never happened, man. Holy shit! It never happened. It never happened. It hasn't happened. Hopefully soon, right? So there's there's just so much to to talk about, but you know you you then have these realizations that. Before you know everything was easier because my 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 I was being supported by the founders, right? Correct. And there was budget, and then there was resources. You know, even though I built a team from fifteen to a thousand four hundred people, thousand five hundred people in Kashalo. Now, just trying to reach twenty people would be Bro, would be difficult. It's hard. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's super hard, especially if you were alone. But of course, you were not alone. Who were the co-founders you got here and how'd you get them to jump ship also? Uh, so very fortunate. Uh, I, I started this with my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is an HR practitioner. Okay. And so I, I sort of knew that I, I needed someone in in HR first. And okay. so, you know, it, it has its advantages and disadvantages. We we had an agreement that he'll just help me set this up, mm-hmm. um, and so we, we recruited, and then my my other very close friend, my, my co-founder, joined me. His name is Gan Kuyugan. Shout out to to Gan. He's from he's from the insurance industry through it. Ah, insider. At the time, he was managing 20,000 20, agents in and so yeah, oh my yeah. god. Um, and so we really both have the experience of leading these large teams. So really, that's that's how it started. You know, you have one employee and then two and then your co-founder joins. Mm. And the next thing we know, we had 45 um, at our peak. We had 45 employees. Mm. right? And then eventually we had to make a pivot. Um, yeah. You, it's survival mode. The, nowadays, the, the key for every startup, again, I've said it in previous episodes. There's only a handful that are doing well. The rest is on survival, right? Live to die another day. Find a way to survive. And yeah, just don't fucking die. That's it. But I want to understand now from the standpoint of building teams, right? So you've had the ability to raise a thousand man team to this small team that you now have, right? What were the key tenets in terms of culture, that you brought along. Obviously, you're you're a product of all the cultures that you've you've been exposed on. But the quick insure culture, I mean, even with a smaller headcount, what did you impose being now at the, the main guy at the helm? Yeah, I mean, one of the real advantages of being founder CEO is you get to implement what you want. And so at the core of our company is values. I tell them this is not lip service. 60% of our regularization is based on whether you you follow, exemplified our values. And they're not a lot. And so at least 
I definitely knew that culture was at the center of of, of what we were going to do. If we were going to become successful, we had to have these aligned values. And so I always tell them, you know, this is not a large company with values that are written on the wall that no one remembers. We actually don't have walls because <laughs> we, we were 100% virtual back then. Right? But, but we... But uh, yeah, and that's how seriously we seriously we take it. Sixty um, percent of regularization would be good. You could you could be doing very well. Your numbers could be up, but if you're a jerk and you don't follow our values, sorry. What what were those values? Um, there we call them Rick. So mm. respect is at the core, and then um, innovation, collaboration, and quickness with a mm, with a K. So, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, right. we call them the Rick, Rick values. Yeah. Nice. But how did you so, quantify them? Because it's again, how do you quantify respect? And especially if that's gonna be sixty percent of your regularization, do you have to say Paul every single time? <laughs> you know, of that, oh, that's your fifty ninth Paul. One more Paul, and you're good. Okay. What 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 is that like? So how do you quantify this? We we have these. You know, we have these different. Uh, um, KPIs, uh, okay. your, your performance metrics. Like, um, we actually put there like respect for time. Ah, that's how we. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course you don't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Um, you, you like under respect would be you know not having these disrespectful instances during your probationary period or any any time during your employment, right? So things like that. It it. We 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 have line items for for each. Um, you need these critical incidences to justify when you exemplify yeah. um, oh, these values. Do they get a, a a big bump in merit if they bless to you and they're younger than you? Actually, I think it's something that, um, especially that I feel the younger generation appreciates. So we are under collaboration. I always tell them, hey, no one here calls each other or calls their boss like boss, sir, ma'am. Mm. Um, American any, style. Any, oh, American style. And you po anyone gonna because if they want to, I think it's by default. <laughs> yes. Um, and so I think the younger generation appreciates it. I, yeah, I think absolutely. They they like it when they're able to call me by their my by my my first name. Um, yep. They feel that they can relate to me more. Yeah. Um. So yeah, things like that. I'm the same. Uh. Ever since all the companies have founded, there's no mammers. So actually, that's a demerit. You say mom or correct, sir. Correct. Correct. Right, what the correct. Fuck correct. 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 Right. Like uh, I always correct. call them out for that, because yeah. again, it it removes any unnecessary barrier that if they start calling you sir and it's an ego boost to you that, that doesn't really do any any well at all. I actually say that okay why are you calling me whatever sir and, and if if that person has a manager I'm gonna you know scold the the, the manager right. so it, it means that within their team they're probably doing that right and mm. so I'm very I'm very aware and sensitive uh, yeah, but there's one exception for me. Um, if you call my co-founder, and I really funnel this to him, if you call him Poggy, that's a merit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Like he, he will always say yes. So Joseph will be like, oh yes, yeah. me. Right, just kidding. But yeah, I want to understand now in terms of unit echo again, supply and demand marketplace is a very hard business model to do because you have to do two things right. Supply, of course, you were able to have a cheat code, 
everybody wanted to partner with you. So that's good. Check. But demand is totally different thing, right? And considering before you had the, the again, the the mammoth of Kashalo's budget to, to, to make it rain and do performance marketing and all that stuff. Now it's you. And again, the budget isn't as big. How did you generate the initial traction in terms of demand? Considering also that, again, indirectly, you're competing with all these people that sell VUL, that trying to boodle their friends. How, how are you able to do that? Yeah, uh, we, we mostly, our main product initially was more around car insurance because that's the easiest ah, thing to, to sell EPL online. and Compre. Yes, 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 mm. yes. Um, but if we're talking about unit economics, it became pretty expensive. I think eventually mm. we had a bidding war with some of the, with some of, some of the insurers. So we we basically would break even on the first year nice. and make money and make money on the renewals the following year. Mm. So it's okay, Deva, if it's a you had this huge war chest and then but it also meant that you need to spend every month, right, to right. keep on growing. If you didn't spend anything, <laughs> you you'd hardly have any sales. And so I all I already thought we would get funded by Sequoia. Wow. We already had so many meetings. Um, we reached the their managing director and all mm. um the, the founders of their search program. But when they when they learned about our unit economics, they wanted something a bit more attractive, right? And then okay. they, they said, okay, you know, maybe three or four more months. But the thing was we didn't have three, four more months worth of Runway of, uh, of runway and marketing budget, so we that we made the pivot to B two B two C. So yeah. so that's when at that at that peak, you know, when when we were doing like due diligence with Sequoia, we were four. We had forty five employees. Majority wow. of them were our outbound sales team. Wow, calling for car insurance, mm-hmm. and so yeah, we painful decision of. Having to to cut the team in half, you know, I've done it before in in Kashalo, you know, um, letting go of hundreds of people during the um, the pandemic. But it's never an easy job. And it's different when it's your team, na. It's your correct, it's the team that correct, you're correct. Because a lot of them I recruited myself. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we we had to do that pivot to survive. Right. On, on a on a founder heart to heart perspective. How did that change you? Because till now, I still remember the day I had to let go of my team in Party File. I had to let go of my, my team in Chatbot when we had to shut it down. And recently, we I also had to downsize in PNE. Uh, it's just one of the most dramatic things. And I, I, I discover a lot about me, myself, as a leader. But in the end, there's this tingle that, fuck, this is my fucking fault. Yeah, I I have that that shit, and now they have to pay. They're gonna have to look for a job in this very fucked up market. It's sad, and you kind of blame yourself for that. How did you cope with those things? So having that previous experience, right? Um, I've I've learned that you know one of the core things is to to be very respectful when when doing it, um, to make sure that the person you know keeps his dignity, is not yeah. embarrassed, and to help them. In any way that we can, right? Um, and so I've learned to do that. You know, after reading, you literally have to research about it, yeah. right? You all these Harvard articles, these Forbes, mm. Forbes articles, and they're really helpful. 
But you're correct. I mean, as founder, one of the toughest things is that it's always your fault. Yeah. It's always with you. It's always our fault. It's always our fault. No matter what happens, whether it's successful or not, there's no one else to blame um, except yourself. And the sooner you accept that, the easier it is to 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 be humble and, and to learn and, and try to to uh, move forward. I, I I guess what made it a bit easier for us, uh, for me particularly, is that majority of the people that we let go like had a job the following week. Wow. So we were so, especially the tech guys, the tech guys were so in demand coming mm-hmm. from Quick Insure. Um, oh, they're the insure tech. Yeah, the insurance companies swallowed them up. And, and then, nice. um, yeah, okay naman. Uh, but at least that helped, you know. But it's always, to your point, it's always very painful. And it's something you never really get over, right? Uh You never get over it. You never, it, it, it's always things. And when it happens again, it's just traumatic. Like, oh my God, this deja vu all over again and whatnot. It's one of those things as a founder that's inevitable. I don't care how good you are as a founder, you're you're gonna hit this wall and you're gonna have to find a way to how to do it and move move back for it. Because after letting people go, you're gonna have to also worry about who's left. And that's the challenging part because the morale is gonna be fucking down, right? You're still gonna get rally these people behind the, the, and still let them believe that hey, yeah, I know we're downsized, we're half half of our size now, but we have we have a a, a job to get done. And this is where the Stanford Duck syndrome comes in into into play. That deep inside you're fucking broken as hell, right? But you have to show poise, you have to show confidence because everybody around you is scared. Not just your employees, but your your investors as well. And you have to show them that, hey, we're still going to be all right. But deep inside, in the back of your head, you're fucking doubting yourself too. But you got to move on and, and be the first one that bet on yourself. Did you go through the same process? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's why, you know, especially as CEO, it's really the loneliest job in the world. Um, especially, <laughs> I'm sure you know all about it. But um, oh, you're correct. I mean, the it's hard to, to be strong, right? But... I, I found inspiration in my team. I know yeah. they needed for me to be strong. Um, but what's important is you show them this is the new plan. We are going to make it, right? Um, but you know what? You can't blame everyone. I think uh, two no. to three employees still left, you know, after fearing for the, the future of the company, right? And I, to- and I totally understand. They have families, right? They're mm-hmm. looking for stability, um, I mean, joining a startup is risky enough, but then, you know, experiencing your teammates being let go is, is also painful for them. And so you can't blame them. But, you know, the, you know, before, before founding this company, I honestly felt like, what are these people talking about? Mental health, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now, again, humbling, humbling. It's like, you can't sleep. You wake up in the middle of the night. Then you can't sleep anymore. You wake up at two. You wake up at four. Yeah. And then you start to lose hair. And you yeah. know these these things. That's why I'm kalbo, bro. Para ano ano di na nata. Yeah, cool. We good. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's really a, a lonely job. Uh, I mean, my co-founder is great, but yeah. as CEO, the the box stops with the box us. stops with you. That's why yeah. for for There's those no people, one else to blame. There's no one else to blame. Correct. Those people who glamorize the job of founder and CEO, 
dude, you have to really think it out. And I've had so many guests here now have been saying the same shit. You can put founder and CEO and flex you're the CEO of X amount of company on TikTok, on LinkedIn, whatever. But the real job and the real, this is one of the most brutal jobs in the world. But again, it's not all fucked upness. Again, in, in, ten, <laughs> in 10 tries, you have that one day where, oh my God, it's worth it. This is amazing. I mean, it's like shit, right? shit, 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 shit. Yes. <laughs> and then shit, shit, shit. And then yes. And then, right? Yes, exactly. It's torture. <laughs> but again, that yes is worth it. Talk to me about the yeses, man. When, when it's like, ah, oh my God, we, we, we're doing the right shit. There's so much to talk about the budget, but you know, I give you an example of the, the good shit. So I mean, yesterday we just launched something really, really, we're, something really we're very excited about. Um, it's called Quick Care Health Subscriptions. So imagine this as like you're getting a phone subscription plan, but for your healthcare, Ooh. right? I mean, it solves so many things um, for MSMEs, freelancers, and dependents and individuals. Because traditionally, healthcare plans or your other HMO plans, um, if you're going to get it, they normally send it to you in annual plans, especially if you're an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, And it's very expensive. And if you're a small company... You, what, your 3, 5, 10, even 20 is not large enough. So you don't get prioritized by, yep. by the healthcare companies, right? And on top of that, you don't get a good price. Yes. So like a, a company of that has 10 employees will pay twice as much to a company that has 5,000 yeah. um, employees. And on top of that, the service would be slow, right? And mm-hmm. then lastly, as a small company, you... It's hard to make that commitment, right? Now, okay, what if this person leaves? I'm locked in with a with a one year plan. Mm-hmm. So, quick care health subscriptions. It's billed monthly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you don't have that upfront burden of paying a year in advance or at least three months in advance. Um, there's no lock in period, nice. and the application is 100% digital and approval. Is real time. So normally a process can take anywhere from a few days to, to weeks mm-hmm. before the, the healthcare companies would get back to you. This one is Instant. um, instantaneous. So imagine only 2% of businesses are able to provide um, healthcare for their employees. Only 5% of Filipinos wow. have um, um, healthcare coverage. And so this is a blue ocean for us. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those yes, yes moments. Yes. That you know we've 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 really been waiting for. Um, our product is like ten times better than anything out there, and we know we're we're gonna hit it out of the park. Um, uh, this time that is amazing. Again, thank you so much, Hamil. I wish we had more time, but again, if they wanna participate and if we're gonna tr- wanna try out this new subscription, or again, work with you guys in Quick Insure. Where do they go and how do they do that? Uh, they can easily go to the website, uh, apply there directly. It's kwikquick.insure. There's no .com. There's no PH. It's quick.insure. Mm-hmm. Or they can reach out to me directly um, through LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm very active on LinkedIn and would be happy to, to hear from everyone. 
All right. Again, Hamill, thank you very much. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. And again, if we did say some jargon, it's going to be in the show notes in uh, on hustleshare.com. And look out, we have a new show coming up. We're brewing it out soon. It's founders only. We're going to be announcing that very soon. But be on the lookout because just like what we did with Hamill today, we're going to be dissecting leadership, management, and all these things. Not just the, the, the story behind how they did it, but we're going to then share wisdom that founders accumulate that would help you become a better business leader. Again, Hamill, thank you very much. Thanks, Ron. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right. And I'll, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. 